Welcome to the Kayak Mainline Podcast. David's no officer and I'm certainly no gentleman. And folks, you've got nowhere else to go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us once again for Kayak Mainline Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Blades, and as always with me, my co-host, David Johnston. And gosh, it's been a while. Hey, buddy. It's been so, it's been so long, David, that uh, we could probably sing some uh, Frank Sinatra tunes, and <laughs> it would make all the sense in the world. I feel like we're going right back to those, those days like in the 60s in Vegas. We're starting the band up again. Yeah. It'd be good stuff. Yeah. How you been, buddy? I've been all right. What have you been up to? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing well. You know, typical fighting fires and uh, and uh, doing a little bit of kayaking now and again. I don't yeah. know the last time we spoke. Has it been in 2018? Uh, well, we mean the last time we recorded. Yeah. Oh, it was like a almost two years ago, year and a half. Wow, has it been that long? Yeah, sadly. I so a year and a half. I, I have grandchildren now. Yeah, that's um, true. What was the which, best thing you did this summer? I uh, I went to to Ireland. Tell me about it. I I well we will we'll get to that in just a second. I want to know how you are preliminarily. Like get, get that get the the pleasantries out of the way. Yeah, we're doing all right. How, what have you been doing? Yeah, it uh, summer was filled with a pile of paddling, and this fall I've been out uh, out doing day trips around Toronto. So that's yeah, it's been fun. Totally good. How are the kids? They're doing all right. Grade twelve, grade ten. So what would that be in your world? So. Senior uh, and sophomore. What would be the second yeah. after grade nine? Uh, grade nine, then grade ten, and so, okay, and grade eleven and grade twelve. Was well, junior and then sophomore, isn't it? Yeah, twelfth grade is is senior year okay. for our kids. Yeah, and my my daughter is a is a an eleventh grader, a junior, Excellent. junior, and then oh. I got a freshman. I got a freshman, freshman. which is a oh. ninth grade. That's... Our kids they grow up so fast. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope before they go to college, we find out who their real fathers are. <laughs> Someday I'll tell them. It would be very helpful. <laughs> All right, guys, we have got a just a, a, a fantastic show chock full of news articles. Am I right? That's true. We have news articles. We have uh, some witty banter. Hopefully we're probably going to pull from like like, you know, third rock from the sun. I think that's a good show to pull some banter from. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. John Lithgow, that guy was hilarious. French Stewart, that guy. (laughs) Oh, what a star-studded cast! Um, And then we've got we've got a book review, ladies and gentlemen, which is apropos. Man, did I enjoy this book review, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Uh, But suffice to say, I'm looking at the at the date today, and it is October second, and I believe that our story culminates right around this time in 1971, if I'm not mistaken. It's true. It does. I, I was listening to it, finishing up today, because I listen to the audiobook because you know I have things to do. And uh, when it gave the dates, I'm like, "This is now. This is oh, so good." Anyhow, uh, uh, first we got to thank our sponsors, right? We got we got a couple of sponsors we should thank. PNH Kayaks. Yeah, we love the PNH Kayaks. Yeah, uh, they keep fantastic me afloat. Boats, right? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, they they do exactly what they say, which is stay upright, roughly. Unless we get inside of them, so That's the official kind of motto. <laughs> yeah, I think that is. It's unofficial but official. Uh, they stay upright when you don't want to. <laughs> uh, when something dumb happens, they're still relatively serviceable. Okay. No, they are. They are custom sea kayaks from uh, the UK. 
fantastic kayaks, of which we are both team paddlers. Yeah. Uh, which I like, and I actually work for the company, so that's kind of fun. Uh, who else you got? Who else you got in your ducket? Probably Werner Paddles. That would be the other one. So Okay, I got NRS. NRS is is, uh, is my people on the inside now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the sponsors that, that keep keep us afloat and warm and dry roughly these yeah. days. Uh, and then we got some news stories. Uh, you Oh, so, so uh, you did, uh, first of all, Ray. Yeah. I know we haven't recorded for a couple of years, but Ray, as you well know, killed a yak with his bare hands. That's Ray. Uh, you and Ray did a, did a little trip. Yeah, we did. Uh, we... Kind of a sweet, cool trip that I, I'm jealous of. Yeah, well, you I'm, know. I'm it's jelly like... of your peanut butter. Well, we one. ended up, uh, what did we do? We did a, a week-long trip on the north shore of Lake Superior, So, which was really fun, especially because both of us teach so much. Every time we're ever out on the water doing stuff, it's usually with clients. So this was a nice change to just do our own thing. And we... Um, what do we do? So we did a, a 200 kilometer stretch. So it's, I don't know what that is in miles, but between a small oh, wow. town of Rossport to Marathon, which is, if you look at a map, Rossport, it's about a hundred, 120 miles, I think okay. in all honesty. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah. yeah, it's around there. That's a, good, that's a good distance. Yeah. Yeah. So we did well. We had, uh, so it was a nice little, really interesting stretch. There's highlights along the way include there's this, the Slate Islands, which is a little archipelago of about five little islands, about 10 kilometers or what's that seven miles offshore mm. somewhere around there. And, and and what do the slate islands boast uh they've got uh caribou so that's yes so that's one of the big things it's a what's called a provincial park so it's run by the, the province of ontario and there's caribou there and it's a lot of local history and there's a big giant lighthouse yeah it's kind of a neat Can- little spot can I let you in a little, little aside and and sort of a a bit that i feel kind of weird about so um you guys have provincial parches, parks. Yeah. Provincial parks. I'll say that correctly. Uh, sometime I'll get to it. And uh, every time I think about saying provincial parks, for me, I feel like I'm English aristocracy <laughs> and I am insulting you in some way. Oh, your little provincial park. <laughs> oh, look at the provincials running around with their caribou. <laughs> it's very snooty. That's yeah, for sure. It does, I feel I feel guilty when I say it. I, it's almost like it's not my. It's your word. It's not my word. Yeah, I can't I use that. Yeah. yeah. So it would be the, the same as uh, like a state park, and then there's yeah. national parks. Yes. Yeah. So what's it? Would do you guys have federal parks? No, you just have national. That's the words you guys talk about. If yeah, we parks. got national parks and national shorelines. Uh, in Sleeping Bear Dunes is a national shoreline. Pictured Rocks. Uh, National Shoreline um, is another another one across from where you were paddling, just a few feet across Lake Superior from where you were paddling. I've been there. It's a pretty awesome yeah. spot. It's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And then we have state parks. I live right next to a state park, which I love. I've I've re reaffirmed my vows with my little state park here in Michigan. Yeah, it's uh, I love state parks because they're they're great for for us in the U.S. They're great little spots where there's almost no rules. Oh, like if they catch you, there's rules, right? You can, right. Like you can you can hunt on state land and you can do a whole lot of stuff. And they do have some rules. But by and large, nobody gets worked up if you're not wearing a helmet all the time. No one gets worked up if you got your dog out there. It's it's nice. Ah, so state right. parks, we like state parks better than we like. Right. Like for us, we have metro parks, metro Detroit parks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we would have city parks Yeah, uh, and that type yeah. of thing. Uh, you guys have national forests too, eh? So where's that? We do have national forests. Yep. Um, the same thing. Na- anything national is funded by the federal government, okay. and it's protected by the federal government. So we have, na- you know, national shorelines, uh, canyonlands, uh, the, like the Grand Canyon is a national okay. park. 
so yeah, so Lake Superior was great. I'm getting us back into it. Um, yeah, cool. so we were out there for uh, for a week. We had an awesome time. Uh, it rained for the first four days straight, so it was either rain or fog, and wow. we didn't see a whole lot for the first couple days, but uh, cleared up really nice for the last half, so that was all right. Yeah, I had I had some uh, lunch with Ray at one point, and he just raved about the trip. Uh, said it was absolutely gorgeous, and you know, like you'd mentioned, I think this is the big, the the big thing. It there were no students, and I love my students. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love teaching. I love I, I I put a lot of time into kayaking and a lot of time into uh, the educational process, and and I love watching it mesh together. But boy, is there something about just going out. And not having to teach anybody, not having to be responsible for anybody. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty laid back trip. We uh, were slow to get going, but because it's so far north, it doesn't get dark until ten o'clock, uh, quarter yeah. to ten or to, ten or so at night. So uh, we wouldn't get on the water until ten in the morning, but we'd paddle till nine at night, and we'd get a pile of miles in. So yeah, so we had fun. It was really good. That's brilliant. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, looking forward so, to doing it yeah. again. Yeah, well, let me let me know if uh, you want an American to drag around. Yeah. You got a tow rope, right? Because I will go if you have a tow rope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, as we as we mentioned about earlier, I went to uh, to Ireland really? with my friends over at the Power of Water uh, yeah. in Lansing, Michigan. They put together a trip to Ireland, and uh, I was I don't know. Um, I, I guess I rolled the, the right dice at the right time and I got to go and, and I got to teach there, um, which was kind of fun. We had a lot of very competent – We had everybody was competent enough to be on the trip. Yeah. And uh, Scott Faraday and I have, have known each other for years, so we were leading the trip. There wasn't really a lot of, uh, you know, put your paddle here to do this. It was allowing the students to go out and explore. And because we let that happen – Scott and I got to explore. Scott and I were kids in the candy store. We were as big a nerds as our uh, as our students out there. And how many days was it? Uh, it was ten days. Oh, that's so. so cool. I had. I, it was. It was for me, and I and I think for my people, it was it was the ride of a lifetime. Like Where did you, you go? So we went to Donegal, which is northwestern Ireland. It's the uh, sort of the West Virginia of Ireland, if you will. It's very mountainous, very pretty. <laughs> And um, the absolutely pristine, unspoiled coastlines. And every day we went out there, there was a first for our students, or I shouldn't even say students, for the participants and for Scott and I. Um, so my adventure started going into Toronto. So I, as you know, drove and we didn't get a chance to see each other, but I, yeah. I flew out of Toronto because I wanted to hit as many countries as I could <laughs> in, in a short span of time. So I, I drive from Detroit area to Toronto, grab a plane, fly into Manchester, England, okay. and uh, grab a truck and a trailer okay. and immediately drive this truck and trailer full of kayaks on the wrong side of the road nice. all the way to Holyhead, Wales. Okay. Where I hop on a uh, ferry the next morning, and uh, uh, I I meet everybody in Dublin, and then we all caravan, uh, which means something different in Ireland. But we all we all drive up to uh, Northern Ireland or through Northern Northern Ireland to uh, Northwest Ireland. If oh, that makes sense, we actually oh. drove through Northern Ireland. This story is so. killing me. I want to go there so bad. And and you should because everything was magical. 
it was it was it was just one after another. We get out and we paddled at this place called Holyhead. So if you guys are are listening to this and in front of a computer, if you look up Donegal, Ireland, and you okay. look up Holy uh, not Holyhead, I'm sorry, uh, uh, what what's it called? Hornhead. Hornhead. Mm. It's this uh, rugged, high cliff, like 600 foot cliff um, headlands that okay. goes around and goes i think it's probably 15 18 miles around okay and because you've got the north and hard fast continuously there's rarely a break to get around there the cool part too is that nobody kayaks up there so uh we were able to just hit a weather pattern that was perfect so we could get into some of the most epic sea caves i have ever seen in my life stuff that you could drive a bus in two buses in and never meet i mean these things are huge caves and because of the prevailing wind scott who'd been there before uh was never able to get into some of these caves okay but because or the prevailing weather but because we had perfect weather we scott and i were able to get into caves he'd never been in before and we probably i think rightfully predicted that nobody had been in these caves really like ever because nobody kayaks there and why would you take a big boat in there yeah because it, it filters down into something terribly small that only a kayak could go in. Did you get and to the point and think that you might have been uh, looking for a horcrux like in Harry Potter? Uh, it's uh, – yeah, there was some – Scott and I were giggling at one point. We went into this cave that was super huge and it just goes right down into us almost sitting side by side deep into this cave. We're talking hundreds of feet. There could have been cave. a fury in the water there. You could have died. Well, dude, there was – there were like some – some really, really angry seals in there who are like, who are these guys? Why would they, why would they think about, no one's ever coming here. You know, it's like you sitting in your living room reading the paper. Yeah. And then all of a sudden seals walk in. That would be a shop shocking as what we did to them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and we had headlamps in there. You couldn't see anything. We had headlamps. It got real spooky. It got really like Goonies in there at some point. Oh, so that's but the it best was super sales pitch and I, ever. Yeah, and I, I got uh, I got to sing at an Irish bar with the locals. Uh, I, I we got to to go into castles that no one Scott included. And I, I bring up Scott Faraday. He was actually married in Donegal, really, um, okay. years and years and years ago. Uh, well, obviously he's been married longer than we have, and uh, that's where he his his uh, wife is from that area, and so they got married there. So he's been going there for years. So he's sort of even though he lives in Michigan. Grew up on the East Coast. He's he was our local guy there, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a castle that we went to, Donegal Castle. And in all his years, he'd never been in the castle. It's been closed down, uh, and we get an option, you know, through weird, strange happenstance. We got the we we got to John with the the caretaker, but we didn't know it was the caretaker. And at one point, he says, "Hey, let me run home and get," but in an Irish accent, "Let me run home and get the keys. I'll show you the castle." Thanks for not faking so, the accent. Yeah, I could. If you'd like. <laughs> Uh, it's it, <laughs> he, he, Alistair was his name, is his name, and now we're friends on Facebook, of course. But um, yeah, he he took us around and showed. We were the first people uh, to go in this castle. Scott had never remembered ever being able to go in this castle. That's so cool. And it was such a weird thing for them as well, because so he goes home. He says, "Do you have a few minutes?" Yeah, and he he says, "I'm gonna run home and get the keys." He goes in and he takes us in, and we're all excited about. It. And all of a sudden, these these lady, lovely ladies walk in and they're clearly local and i'm like hi how are you oh hi how are you and we start to talk it turns out that it's this guy alistair's sister 
and mother. Really? And when he, and when he came home and he said, Ma, Ma, I need the keys to the castle. I'm going to show some Americans. She's like, what? What are you doing? Are you mad? And she had to come over to make sure he wasn't like getting killed or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was a it was a fantastic trip. Oh, and uh, I look forward to one day going back there if I if I get lucky enough. So if you guys want to do some you guys who are listening out there, if you guys want to do some phenomenal trips, uh, Power Water is, is doing some really, really cool stuff. They go out to the Canyonlands uh, every year. Um and uh, yeah, they every other year they'll they'll do Ireland. So think about it. Think about it if you guys Ugh. got the chance. And I'm just scratching the surface as to all. I didn't even tell you the goat story. <laughs> I can I've tell you the goat, goat story. story. <laughs> I know you've heard the goat story. Maybe next time on the next kayak mainline, I will intrigue you with the goat story. That's awesome, man! I want to go yeah. there. Super. Every everybody should go there. Yeah, it was it was just it, everything you think about Ireland. It's true. <sighs> it's it's just true. It's absolutely breathtaking i told you i wanted to get my kids in uh, acting lessons when they were really young so they could speak with little irish accents right i wanted them to take both irish and scottish so they could flip accents on demand i see that would be fantastic because yeah, little girls who can talk an irish accent there's nothing cuter there, there were there were at, at Donegal Castle. I was I was talking to at what I didn't I didn't know Alistair at the time, but his kids were running around there. These little little shavers, little guys, yeah. and uh, I, they wouldn't they wouldn't talk to anybody, but they were smiling ear to ear. Oh. And of course, I was I was uh, you know hamming it up for him and whatnot. And they're, they're, uh, his wife runs a coffee shop okay. right there, like a little coffee shack at the the castle. So mom was there and I was talking to mom, bought a coffee and, uh, t- you know, playing with the kids and they're giggling, but they never speak. And so I'm inside the castle walls, not inside the actual castle, but inside the castle walls. And little redheaded kid runs around the corner. He must have been like seven years old. And he just stops and stares at me, takes three steps back, looks around the corner to see his brother and go, hey, the man's here, the funny man. It was great. I heard a little kid say, the man's here, the funny man. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I could have every it seemed like every five minutes I could have said, well, that's the trip. I got it. I got what I desired out of the trip. So amazing. Anyhow, so that was that was the high point of of my summer and high point of yours. Should Mm -hmm. we should should we intrigue some people that really they didn't come to hear us talk? No, but we're making them listen to it. That's true. We're just filling that up. So we got some news, which is pretty cool. That's what they really came for is the hard-hitting news stories that we bring to the table. It's time for the Kayak Mainline News. Yes, your source for news all over the world, down the street or just outside your door. David Johnston is the head. May I call you the head of our news department? (laughs) Yeah. Head reporter, head researcher. You're everything. You are the head you, you, you're like Jane Jonah Jameson. Oh, <laughs> you're like Jay Jonah Jameson. And I'm like, you know, just trying to get photos of Spider-Man. But for some reason, I never can. <laughs> you and you inept little Parker. <laughs> I want to see pictures of kayak mainline and I want to see them now. <laughs> I always like that guy. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just totally like he was the guy. I was right? so scared to eventually when I was a kid. I thought, man, I really don't want to get a job because look how mean that guy is. <laughs> he you think about it, he's the archetype of every 80s cops boss mm-hmm. yeah he was the guy right he was the guy who was like i want i want butts 
you know, he's always yelling at everybody. Just walked in and just yelled. I know. He was awesome. All yeah. right. We got a couple news stories. All right. Bring it on. So there's our first one. Um, this one's from uh, – this actually was from in July. It was away when it happened, and I need to talk about it. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, New Zealand New Zealander completes first solo kayak across the Tasman Sea. It, it's finally been completed. It's finally? Yeah. Uh, you know – yeah, I, around around the newsroom, around the kayak mainline newsroom, we we've been taking bets for years, as you know. Yeah, and uh, and now it's finally done, huh? So the Tas is it Tasman Tasman Sea or Tasman Tasman Sea Tasman Tasman T A S M A N. So um, let me get. How, what are we talking about crossing wise? It is okay. So the guy's uh, Scott Donaldson. This was his second attempt. He's forty eight mm. years old, and it took him sixty one days. It's a thirteen hundred okay. mile crossing. So, Good golly, Miss Molly! Yeah, twenty one hundred kilometers, thirteen hundred miles, and uh, yeah, it's a really fascinating story. It's gone on for a bunch of years. So he tried to his first attempt was back in two thousand fourteen, and he got he completed like ninety eight percent of it. He got within eighty kilometers, and there was a huge big storm. So he went from Australia to New Zealand. He got within 80 kilometers, and it also happened to be on day 80 um, of that trip. And he, uh, this huge storm, he had to abandon his boat. And so the Coast Guard had to come and drive out, punt out in their little boat and pick him up and take him home. And so then he waited another four years, and he attempted it again. He completed it. So 61 days, he beat it much faster than the first time. I'm curious as to whether or not this is, this is a religious guy. Yeah, I don't know. Because when you think about it, when you paddle 13, let's let's call it 1,220 miles. Yeah. Right? And you just got done doing 120. Yeah. Which is which is pretty stout. This guy did 10 times the amount. And you're almost feeling like, yep, next couple of days, I'm, I'm, I'm off the water and I'm in Australia. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a storm blows up that close. Yeah. They, I would, I would they, be They sad described man. it as a once-in-a-generation storm. And I remember when this happened in 2014 because I remember reading the article because I was following his story because I've been following it for a long time in the sense of, uh, remember years ago, probably about 10 years ago, Andrew McCullough, remember when he died trying to attempt this? Do you remember No, I, I, I do not. So he was a guy who was a huge uh, venture guy in, he had done stuff in Antarctica and Nepal and he... He was the first guy to try to attempt it, and he got within a day's paddle, and something happened. He got bowled over in a big wave, and he he should have uh, quit paddling for that day, but he was so close, and he like, mm. screw this, I'm just paddling through the storm that happened to be coming up, and he ended up, he drowned, and so, so the crossing's always kind of a bit of a near and dear to my heart. So this guy attempts it in 2014. He gets so close to the end, helicopter had to come out and get him leave his boat behind his boat which they thought was going to sink turned up on a new zealand beach like six or eight weeks later so he's wow yeah it's kind of this crazy story it so it just bit right back to his home country yeah in other words the boat just boat made its up. way back yeah so mm -hmm. yeah so anyways he completed so he was in a, uh, a custom-made carbon uh kayak uh 20 20.5 feet with a beam for the nerds out there, uh, the width yep. of the was only 29 centimeters. So it was a real traditional kayak shape, but it had a really big, high. Uh, he had built a, like a, a place that he could lie down to sleep in, 
And okay. rather than where the cockpit's kind of in the center of kayaks, it was back three quarters of the way back. It was a really interesting design. There's a bunch of photos online you can see. Have you seen the craft that, that Peter Bray used to go across from uh, Holyhead to uh, uh, across the North Atlantic? I might have seen it, but I can't remember. Yeah, I'm wondering how it how it yeah. you know shapes up like that. Now, did he have a support boat or is he just out there doing his thing? I was doing his own thing. So he had uh, he had like uh, dehydrated food and a desalinator, and he had uh, the bottom of the boat had a ton of ballast, so it's self right even when he got knocked, knocked over. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's kind of a really cool story. It's uh, people have been trying to do it, and two uh, two people kayaked across in a double kayak about four years ago. And so this was the first time, and theirs was in a huge boat, like a 30-foot, sure. like massive. Um, so this was kind of much closer to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a cool story. So Good for you, Mr. McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, fantastic. I I don't even, like, I I dream big. But then when I hear stuff like this, I realize, nah, not really. No, my, my stories are much like, well, I woke up early and got Danish for the family yeah, I know, compared I know. compared to this guy. Right. He is he is hardcore. It's cool watching. Like if you go to his website, you can see the his route that he took because of his tracker. Hold on. I got to let the dog out. She's in this room here. Give me a sec. I'll be right back. All right. By the way, folks, this happens all the time with David. He always keeps his little dog in and then the dog halfway through has to get out. Normally we edit this out. But, uh, you know, sometimes All right. this just happens. Yeah, I was probably. I was filling in the audience as to what you were doing because normally we edit this out, but we're yeah. not going to edit out. Yeah. Oh, the puppy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what were we chatting about? The guy. Oh, this guy's roots. This guy's roots. Oh, yeah. So the roots really interesting because it's like you see it going from uh, uh, Australia to New Zealand and it goes, goes, goes and it wiggles back and forth. And all of a sudden there's this point where he was blowing back. You can see where this big storm was, where he gets blown back like a hundred kilometers, 120 kilometers. And then he has to redo this stretch again. And that happens a couple times on it. So yeah, he lost a bunch of, a lot of ground in a bunch of ways. So that would, that would crush my soul right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mind paddling a long way, but as soon as the wind pushes me back farther than I've gone in a day, yeah. that's, I'm out. Well, they talk, he, he talked about at one point where he, they had a big, like a sea anchor or a drogue, kind of like a parachute that sits in the yeah. water. And uh, yeah, you just put that out, but they're so, the waves are so big, it's still doing nothing, you know, to keep them from moving. But so you basically have to just paddle in place to keep yourself from moving more, losing more ground. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Anyway, good for you. If if I ever meet you one day, if I ever meet you, Mr. McDonald, I'm buying you a foster, sir. Yeah. All right, next story. Here we go. Yeah, we by the way, we should make that the kayak mainline kudos of the week. It definitely was. Good so, for you. I have a All second right. story that will make us feel worse about ourselves in accomplishing anything in life. Wait a minute. That last story made me feel worse about Oh, this myself. one's even better. Oh, son of a sea cook. <laughs> so this was just uh, so this is a recent story. So this was just uh, a couple weeks ago, and okay. five blind veterans kayaked yep. down the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, I can't even do it with eyes. And here no. they are going down completely blind. So they. You know what? I I got to be honest though. That's kind of how I would have to do some of those drops. <laughs> I put a put a. I don't want to see what I'm looking at. Just put a blindfold on me and go. <laughs> so, well, they did. Uh, uh, so they did a 12-day trip. Uh, so they went down and they had uh, five people who could see to help sure. guide them down while they did it. So it was 12 days. They did 226 miles, so 300, 
60 kilometers uh, and they went down they they got rolled over 10,000 times but yep. uh, they practice a lot so it was a partnership between veterans affairs uh the blinded veterans association and a, a, a team river runner who's a, a group that works with veterans to uh help reuse kayaking as a rehabilitation so that's totally cool yeah it's super I, cool I, I don't know if everyone knows out there um uh, i am not personally over patriotic however mm-hmm. I will do just about anything there is to do for our veterans, for the the men and women who fight for our country, at both of our countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is wonderful, and uh, I, you know, a, a little personal story about me. Not to make this about me at all, but you'll you'll see where I'm going with this. As you may know, my mother growing up was quadriplegic, meaning oh, I didn't know no that. use. Yeah, how, how do you not know that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ten months old car accident. OK. And, uh, you know, so she she lived uh, they, back in the in the day when when this happened, they gave her three to five years to live. However, I think she was dyslexic. And so she lived thirty five. So she had a good long life, but she couldn't you know move anything below her neck. Right. Um, and, and as I always like to say, she had full use of her brain and her vocal cords. So I got yelled at and could not get away with anything. <laughs> so but Things like this were uh, well, so my my point with that is even though she had this disability back in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s um, and into the, the 2000s, she never used that as her excuse mm. to not do stuff. And she never was the type of person to sit around and feel sorry for herself. Well, obviously, she sat around. Let's face facts. But um, <laughs> that's a quadriplegic joke. You can use <laughs> that if you need. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she would never she would never feel sorry for herself. She would never let her disability keep her from doing stuff. And I think it's totally cool when when these guys who have these five guys who have lost their eyesight, presumably either defending our country in some way mm-hmm. or even in service of our country, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, get out there. And if if we can, if, if me as a kayaker, if I can help you uh, go out and kayak, sure. There's no disability that's too great that, that keeps you from kayaking. Aside from maybe a fear of water, maybe not want to try a fear of water. But yeah, sight, nah, doesn't matter. Well, it was interesting. So, and so people are probably thinking like, how do you go down whitewater and not be able to know where you're going? You know, so they, uh, so they, it took them two years. So they, they practiced and they worked on it for two years to kind of get the skills so they could just paddle that Mm -hmm. side of it. But then a big chunk of it was, is they would work with the, the guide in a sense. So the guide's kind of like a seeing eye dog and helps them go down the river. And the way that kind of works practically is, so the, 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 the blind person's in the front and the other paddler's kind of right behind them. And they're basically yelling out, like, go left, go right. Like, they would yeah. have a bunch of keywords that would help them so that they know, okay, I got to take a stroke on the left or the right to kind of help. Or, you know, there's a hole coming up. Keep an eye on that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool. So, there's a bunch of video out there that people can go check out Check out that the uh, Veterans Association has put together kind of as a little bit of a promotional piece. But it's really funny because there's this one clip of, like, three of them with guides behind barreling down this what i can only guess is kind of about a class four class three type of current like all of them all get bowled over and so they're all like because they don't know where they're going so they right you know they sorted out the balance in that was quite a big thing and so then but they're all rolling back up and off they it's, went so 
it's kind of like watching a box of kittens wrestle. <laughs> just everything's just going all cattywampus. No one knows what's going on. Yeah, it, was, it looked That's like awesome. complete chaos. So then it, it reminded me, because I don't know, do you remember, we talked about a guy who uh, uh, paddled down the Colorado River before. Do you remember yeah. that? That was yeah. Eric. I had to go look it up. Eric Weihelmeyer. Okay. Who, I'm sure that's exactly how it's probably. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, back I in, can only imagine. Back in the old episode nine of Kayak wow. Land. This is episode 20. So that was quite a while ago. Uh, and he he went down. He completed the, a big stretch of that. Uh, but he also climbed Mount Everest and hiked the complete Appalachian Trail end to end as a through hiker. So. Yeah, so he's pretty much just a, a total badass, and we are just microphone jockeys at this point. Yeah, oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm just proud yeah. that I was able to bike to work, and that's the extent of it. You know, like, wow. <laughs> I'm glad I, I do a little bit of walking now and again. <laughs> well, well, good for you. Good for the veterans. Good for this guy. Good for good for everybody. This is this is another kayak mainline uh, kudos that we're throwing out to all five of those brave veterans who uh, went down the Grand Canyon – Blind, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Good for you guys. I, and this is I probably give me something because you know if if you've been listening to this show, and I'm certain certain all of you have. I like to make a lot of jokes, and currently you haven't given me much to make jokes. Well, about. yeah. Now now we're into two things that uh, you know is more of our traditional news pieces. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. And this one sets to... a record with like uh, two very specific kayaking stories. Yeah, we usually don't do that. It usually like if there's a palindrome. <laughs> in the story because kayak is a palindrome we'll use it we yeah. don't we don't necessarily top out at the the uh no so the this, kayaks, is, this but... is two like kayaking stories to make us feel yeah. bad about ourselves but right, uh, let's good. change gears uh let's go to the great street of great state of florida oh it always gets good if it's golf side it's even better well so you... we're talking about crocodiles dang it's it's dade county then or it's uh, lower than dade county <laughs> it's, it's key uh, largo yeah, yeah, there we go. So, Good for us. so crocodiles, eh? Like, you know, Fresh they kind of like crocs. to float around and they do the things. But now, as they're evolving through time, they're starting to use more uh, weapons to help them out. And as, Sure. Hi. So let's get to the headline. Florida crocodile, which is great that they had to say the crocodile is from Florida. But yeah. Florida crocodile spotted using pool noodle to cross canal. Right on. Good for you. Yeah. So this is uh, – this happened – uh, kind of towards the end of August, where a guy's looking out his uh, his cabin. This is Key Largo going across, uh, I think, Alligator Alley, somewhere in that area. And yeah, here's the quote. Uh, I saw a croc off my balcony swimming up the canal. Victor Perez told Fox News on Wednesday, my first thought was, what happened to the person with the noodle? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking too. Like he's looking at there at, at that, saying, "Oh, look at that! That crocodile's using a a tool." And then I was thinking, "Yeah, he probably ate somebody, and, like a child, like a small child." And then there's a little pink noodle just left over because he didn't like the taste. Yeah, of I'd it. be or concerned because if the other crocs pick up on this, you know, they get more buoyancy, they're able oh, yeah. to travel faster, farther, able yep. to float around. I don't know. So, so here's a w- interesting something or other. I don't know if you you there there was a, a very distinct little something that happened there. You were surprised that they had to say Florida crocodile. Yeah. You realize that alligators are indigenous. Oh yeah, and this was the part of it. This is there was a piece at the bottom, yeah. uh, at the very end where they talked about both the fact that he used the pool noodle is rare, but the fact that it was an actual croc is even more rare because there's not a lot of them. Well, there is a, a big section of the Everglades. 
or Everglades. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong spot. Anyway, big section of of area where you would where you would think there are gators, but the crocs have run them out. Freshwater crocs have run them out. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess the the crocodiles are a little bit more mean than the gators are, or a little less adaptable, maybe. So they can't go as far, so they concentrate. I'm not sure which, but yeah, um, that's yeah, the, the, they that's say. The thing. According to the National Park Service, crocodiles are rare and secretive creatures. Yes, like golems. Except or... now this guy's floating around with like a fluorescent yellow tubes. Or yeah, or that kind of ruins it, though, doesn't it? Like, oh, they're they're secretive people or secretive tribe of of reptiles, and there it is, like sunning itself, drinking a mojita, <laughs> and it's probably got like like uh, board shorts on. And what if I feel like this is like the alligator version of Weekend at, Ver- at Bernie's? You know, <laughs> One of the is... greatest movies ever filmed. I know, I know, I know you feel that way. <laughs> I know you do, sweetie. It's it okay. It was shunned at the Oscars, and I'm still yeah. bitter about it. <laughs> it never actually got its due. Yeah, it really it... didn't. Oh, I'd like to see terrible. a remake of it. I know with a with a crocodile, maybe. Yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah, maybe. So maybe this crocodile actually has a different talent it can read and it was reading what the national park service said about crocs saying that it was <laughs> secretive and he just got mad you know he's like nope I'm, I'm done i'm i'm gonna go big or maybe he was on meth maybe they learned how to make meth and this was he, he just went nuts and decided to to take a pool floaty across the canal it could be yeah well, you never know. Crocodiles on meth. The crocodiles on meth might be the most horrifying tool. Using crocodiles on meth might be one of the most horrifying. Well, things. I'm staring. I'm staring at the website, and there's got you know at the bottom of the article. They often have other related headlines, and I'll just read the headline. Stop it, for one second. What? Stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. Um, yeah, that was the Humpty Dance. <laughs> there is. There are related stories. There's a related story. Yeah, that's what, that's other... what there is an actual. So hold on. And on another note, first of all, we hear nothing about crocodiles for the longest time. And then all of a sudden there's like five stories. That yeah, pop up. Well, it's, they're coming right. back. Eh? So oh, yeah. this is from and this is, I'm clicking through because you can't not read this stuff. Uh, not. Here's the headline. Crocodile eats small dog that spent years chasing it back into the river. Oh, payback. <laughs> the guy finally got his revenge. Yeah, I think that that dog thought it was all fun and games until it was all just yeah. appetizers. Yeah, it uh, it basically the dog's owner says and said that the croc did what crocs do and yep. ate the pooch. <laughs> That's what it does. <laughs> it, it, there's story after story, and gators will do that too. Gators just eat everything. Yeah, like there there are so many stories, hundreds of stories a year. About, and I don't uh, know why I should be laughing. So this is this is Australia where this particular story is. Okay, uh, and it's a saltwater where, croc. Where crocodiles are not as mysterious. Yeah, exactly. And the other headline that they're saying is a saltwater crocodile has eaten a dog that made a mockery of it for years. <laughs> <laughs> Paybacks, baby. Paybacks. Oh, that's how it terrible. works, man. You don't terrible. you don't mess around like that. So it's not how it works. I got another story. Our last one. one. More. Bring it. And this one is from a whole year ago, but I've actually been sitting on it because I think it's one of the funniest stories, at least to me, probably cool. not to other people, but I'll read the headline here and then yes. we'll we'll break it apart. Uh, chaos erupts as tick on display goes missing during press conference. <laughs> <laughs> what? What has happened? I'll read it again. 
Okay. Chaos erupts as Tick on display goes missing during press conference. Come okay. with come with me to Japan, where they have a problem with ticks there. So okay. what do they do in this one small town? They a bunch of people were showing up with this disease or syndrome uh, called severe fever with thrombopanic something syndrome SFTS. So, anyways, you can get this thing, and like people die if they get it. It's like worse than Lyme disease. So they decide to hold a press conference. Picture it in your head here. So yep. they have a press conference to raise awareness about this thing, and all the press show up, and they decide to bring uh, a dead tick that people can, you know, that on a white sheet of paper that people can take photos of the press. Sure. And then they got a live tick. So they're talking that away, makes sense. Yeah. and it's on the sheet of paper, and the guy grabs it with a pair of tweezers, and the tw- t- t- uh, tick goes flying off into the audience, and they can't find it. <laughs> so it's total pandemonium. <laughs> Oh, first of all, I think we can agree that that American and maybe Canadians all view Japanese as germaphobes. And I, I, I but then you get okay. And these but seriously this tick then has like some sort of virulent strain of what goat yeah. hepatitis or something like that, right? Yeah. And they're just flinging it around willy-nilly. Oh yeah. And so it's like this thing could like legitimately, you know, if it found you and bit you and you didn't notice it you could legitimately die from this thing so it flings out in the audience and they said here the tick's sudden disappearance caused commotion in the room with journalists and uh government employees frantically searching for it but to no avail Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah have have they met a tick before well they're not going a thousand miles an hour yeah i mean i had i had a tick this summer i got a tick this summer yeah and, and I just – it was actually – it creeped my wife out, something fierce, because I, I was out you know, mon- monkeying around in the brush. It was a good tick year, meaning it was a bad tick year. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, I, I, I asked my wife to, to scratch my back. She was scratching, and I pulled up the back of my shirt, and I said, oh, be careful if there's any ticks. And she stopped. She went, actually. Ah. And there was a tick, and it had been there for – and I had showered. Really? Yeah, and it was still there. It was just like hanging in there, right? So she ended up pulling it out. No big deal because that's what you do. I, but that's how we are in the Midwest. We're used to ticks. Yeah. Um, we, we can handle that. I can't imagine if like if ticks were poisonous. Yeah. So I and, looked up this SFTS and apparently it's between 5 and 30% of people who get it. It's got fever and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and organs shut down, they uh, don't make it through. Now, I'm assuming it's like people who are, you know, sick. The elderly and the young. Yeah. yeah. But still, either mm. way, I can still picture this thing. Total yeah. chaos. Yeah, because it sounds like something, because you are a huge fan of Get Smart. I know oh, yeah. this about you. Everybody <laughs> yeah. knows this about you. And this is almost like like an episode of a 70s show oh yeah and here they have i don't know why they're german all of a sudden here <laughs> they have a tick who is oh um ever stop don't move anybody i haven't i've lost the tick for just a second <laughs> it's totally and then bad. everybody just like like uh you know like airplane like people are are throwing babies in the air and just running for the doors oh yeah well so then they, they had to evacuate the room and they had to then come in and spray not one but two different types of insecticides in the room to kill this thing. So then the the and they regional... had to do a body check too, I would assume. Oh, I'm sure they probably did. And then so then of course it's very typical 
Japanese matter. They, uh, the regional government had to put out a statement. We should have taken better safety precautions. <laughs> yeah, better safety precautions than a pair of tweezers. That was a, This is a country that fought Godzilla, for Christ's sake. But now they've got a tick. They just use a pair of tweezers. I know, I know. Who would have thought Son it? Of a, yeah. Man. I saw Pacific yeah, Rim. Those guys should have been able to handle yeah, this. Yeah, that is like the 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 lowest downplay I have ever heard. Yeah. We should have come up with a better solution <laughs> than tweezers. Oh, man. It's my – I've yeah. been sitting on it. I couldn't wait to record because I think that this is, story is awesome. I'm sorry. The the that, That's almost the end of the analogy, right? That is almost like the dumbest crap I have heard in a long time. However, I am going to th- – this would be like – like somebody drinking cancer, right? And and them coming back and saying, well, we probably shouldn't have put it in a Coke bottle. We probably should have not put the cancer in something that everybody would drink. You know, like that's tweezers, really. Let me pick this up so you can get a better view of it. Oh, 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 oh live tick. Have they not met a tick before? Ticks go everywhere. Yeah. They don't need a reason. And then all of a sudden, there you are. Good work. Good yeah. work, Japan. Yeah. You know what? Take a hint from Mr. McDonald or the five blind dudes who went. Those guys are heroes. You guys fail. <laughs> <laughs> you just boo. You fail, Japan. They could have, in my head, they probably could have just had uh, two dead ticks. So it would have probably worked great for the photo shoot. So. so we got two kayak mainline kudos and one kayak mainline fail. Boo. Japan, Japan, get it together. This is like Brazil. A couple of years ago with the Olympics. Mm. That was the kind of poo water. The poo water. Yeah. Japan. I, I'm i not mad, Japan. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> well, it's given me a lot of humor. I know. I've thought about Holy. it many times. A, a pair of tweezers. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at Kayak Mainline. Or if you're old school and like to email, that's kayakmainline at gmail.com kayakmainline at gmail.com or twitter feed kayakmainline we like to do a book review david and i do like to to read a little bit now and again yeah and uh when we decided we were gonna redo r-e-d-u-x is that right redo yeah Uh, something like that the kayak mainline podcast and bring it back to you of course we had to do a book review And, and i came up with a book which i hope we'll do on the next uh, uh, podcast, the Kayak Mainline podcast. Um, but uh, David had just gotten done reading a book. And when he said it, it just, it struck me as such the right idea <laughs> that I read it while well, I listened to it, honestly, in what, three days? You told me about this a couple days ago, right? Yeah, you and, powered and through it. Three, day, three days, I, I listened to the entire book. Uh, David, without further ado, I, I hope that you have your wild roses and your wild mountain thyme together. <laughs> I brought some garlic. Ah, uh, so, yeah. So what's the, uh, tell us what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, today, <laughs> as of this recording, it's October 2nd, which means it should be coming to you right around October 5th, 6th, something like that. We bring to you Stephen King's classic, Salem's Lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, it's so good. You know, I avoided this book. I'll start into it. I avoided this book, like, forever. Because I really thought it was dumb. Like, I never 
you know, I never read it, but I, you know, I read the synopsis and I always avoided this. Like I put this book in the same thing as uh, his other ones, like Cujo, which I think is a stupid thing. Pet Cemetery, which I also think is stupid. None of them I've read, but I was <laughs> super impressed. Yeah, I did judge yeah. those books by their covers and I didn't like them, but they're on the list. I, but, you know, I really did like it. It was great. I have a, a weird relationship with with Stephen King. Uh, he got me pregnant back in 74. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Um, uh, for many reasons, that wasn't true. But uh, Stephen King, as I've said this, and I may even said this on the podcast, Stephen King is the horror writer version of Brad Pitt. And I say that because you look at Brad Pitt, and he's still to this day, he's what, 57 years oh, old? So beautiful, and he's, though. he's such a beautiful man, right? Ever since he was a kid acting, he has been such a handsome fella. And and for me, growing up in the 80s, like he was the paradigm, right? Every Oh, he was so dreamy. He's Brad Pitt. So you want to hate him. Yeah. But then you realize he's a really spectacular actor. And it just galls you as a as a guy who wants to be jealous. And I, and I feel that way about Stephen King. Like everybody says, he, they gush over Stephen King. Oh, the master of the horror and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I want to hate Stephen King. But right. I can't. He's such – he seems like a good guy. I mean, you know, aside from the years where he was drinking and doing coke. But he seems like a good guy. Uh, but his writing is really, really good and I understand the hype. I really do. And uh, I think Salem's Lot – it says in the foreword that St- uh, Salem's Lot was his second book that he had he had written. And he, he took a lot of uh, – how do I put this? Not a lot of liberties, but he, he, he felt very free about himself. And he felt like he could really explore some moments in that book. And I think if you're a fan of reading Stephen King, you realize that one of the, the things that he does really well – is start telling a story in a tangent like he'll he'll bring up you know ned ned frederickson and he will give like three pages of ned fredericks fredrickson and you'll never hear about him again yeah it's all these great backstories on everybody yeah it's that color it's like he's really good at getting in the fine like we all think in in crayons and markers Mm. when we're coloring the picture and he gets really in there with fine pencils and and like make sure there's there's nothing that he hasn't explored in the story. And I think this story, Salem's Lot, is you know, for obviously the first time he had done that, I think, but also a very successful version of doing that. Yeah, and you know, I uh, I really like horror because we've talked about science fiction and horror quite a yeah. bit on this show. Um, but, you know, I really don't – I'm not into vampires. And that's why it was one of the things that really kind of scared me out of this book. I really don't enjoy the romance side of vampire books, which is mm-hmm. what was really big for a while there. Um, so I never got into it because of this. But I actually really enjoyed it. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, but like you said, he's, all the people have got a really uh, interesting backstory behind them, which makes this people, the characters, a lot more real. And then I'm like, oh, they got killed. Oh, now I feel worse about it. Oh. Yeah, and, and he's he's unabashedly not afraid to kill whoever needs to be killed. If yeah. the story calls for it, it, it he's done. Um, one of the things that was running through my head um, was that – and this, this was a bothersome point for me until I thought about it. And I think that's cool. I've read this book. I've listened to it before. I've seen the miniseries on it, which scared the piss out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> um, just – like devastatingly scary. 
Um, and if my friend Butch Gresham is listening, I'm using his full name. If Butch is listening, he knows the scene I'm talking about <laughs> that scared the both of us when we were Danny Glick right out in front of the window. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, one of the things that bugged me as I was listening to this, this book this time, is that it seemed like all the characters knew way too much about a fictitious character. Oh, okay. Right. Like vampires don't exist, right? Right. Until they exist and then they exist. But then all of a sudden they know everything about vampires. And I don't mean what uh, Mark was reading in the hospital uh, room about them. And uh, was it Mark? Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the kid, um, like these guys uh, are just like natural vampire yeah, experts. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, Ben, uh, who, who he he knew way too much about vampires. But then I thought about it, and I realized that this was this was set in 1971 in October. I think the big finale was October 9th, 1971, mm-hmm. and. That was after radio plays, and radio plays really gave a voice to the vampire character. Oh, so that was it would the not monster be, of the week type thing. Yeah, it, it would. Vogue. It would not be unheard of for them to have a lexicon to be able to defend themselves against vampires, at least in a, uh, you know, sort of a pop culture way. Well, you could do the same thing to uh, to zombies right now. Yes, which yes. is actually the part about zombie books. I think we've discussed this before. That drove me crazy. I listened to and read a lot of zombie books that was a bit of a niche uh you know secret cinemine and the thing that drove me crazy about all these books was the same formula where like zombies would start coming and eating people and people would be like what are those things and why is it chewing on my arm like they were like how do you not know about zombies like yeah everybody's got to know about zombies the dumb idiot it was really a part that drove me crazy about it i was like ah just then they became experts and they're killing them all but yeah and I will say about Salem's Lot too. Another thing about Salem's Lot is that uh, the, the the premise. If you listen to or read uh, the foreword from Stephen King, mm-hmm. he talks about that. He says, you know, and he said that his wife at the time was the one who posed the question, or or posed the suggestion. What if a vampire just decided to start eating the heart out of the heartland, and people are so proper in Maine that by the time they realized what was going on, their politeness would have never let them see it coming. Yeah. So like, you know, for, for you in Toronto in the big city, right. You, you'd have a different perspective, but if some zombie guy comes walking up to the door, I'd be like, Oh, what's wrong with this guy? Let me help him out. (laughs) Come on in. Absolutely. Cause I'm decidedly (laughs) Midwestern. Right. Um, and I wouldn't expect that. And then, and so that's how the vampire, um, the, the vampire in uh, Salem's Lot gets along and it becomes almost too late. And that's how the zombie apocalypse – like everybody's trying to be polite. Like, oh, this guy's a crackhead. I'll just give him a bowl of soup. Oh, my God. He's eating my face. <laughs> you know? So um, we probably should have started with a synopsis of the book in case and say spoiler alert. But it's way too long, late for that. Look, guys yeah. – Salem's Lot is a, an iconic Stephen King book, and it is it based based on the premise that a vampire moves into a small New England town and starts tearing it up and turning it into its little uh, little vampire hold. Yeah. Uh, it, and and it's predicated on the notion that evil attracts evil. So there's this evil house in the in the town, and that evil attracts the uh the barlow the the vampire to it 
And uh, then this this guy, Ben, has to is the hero. He's a writer and he has to figure all this out and, you know, eventually stop the the vampires. So that's that's what the premise mm. of the book. If you lived under a rock since the, since the 70s and you haven't ever heard of Salem's Lot. Have you uh, have you watched the uh, Castle Rock series on TV? No. Ooh, son, you should you should get it. OK. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, vaguely. Yeah. So, anyways, it's uh, it's on Amazon, but the uh, essentially it's just guys who took um, it's it's an independent story of anything that Stephen King's written, but it's in the world of Stephen King. So, okay, it's this really cool, great little story of some science fiction and some stuff built into it. Um, but what's really cool about it is that it takes place in the town of Castle Rock, which is the home of many places in it, and right. there's lots of like Stephen King Easter eggs, and you meet relatives of characters who are in different books and so for people who are into Stephen King they're all over it because there's like there's several layers like you know there's just the story but then the Stephen King fans are like that's the cousin of the guy from The Shining who's now in this book and you know it's like all this really cool stuff like that and so those super nerds are get all into that but um you'd really like it it's uh it's a great little 10 part series and so already looking forward to season two all right then. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it hasn't it hasn't been out too long then, has it? Uh, it, it, yeah, maybe a month if that. So, right on. Um, That's but it's cool. on Amazon streaming, and there's other places that you can see it and stream it from. But Amazon is the place to do it. Um, but yeah, so Salem's Lot. I was I was I went in with it with kind of low expectations because I kind of needed something just to listen to, and then I was like, ah, oh, this book is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I in fact I'd called you, what that very first night. Yeah. Uh, that I started listening to it and I had forgotten how really good and detailed the book was, um, which is interesting with Stephen King. What's the one with the, um, the dome or, Oh, under the dome. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, he took the same tact with that mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I did not enjoy that book. Uh, That's and I a couldn't book even, that would have did better if a third of the story was cut out. And I, I feel like that could be said for a lot of Stephen King books. Yeah. And yet, um, I think with this, it works. I think with the stand, it works. Yeah. I did not think it worked for under the dome. Uh, but stay, I like under the dome. Way. I read that twice. The second time I was like, all right, I don't need to read this again. Um, but under dome really, so for people who haven't seen, it, it's like small town, this magical dome falls in, at night right. and it's all about how, what would happen to a town with the good people and the bad people if, you know, how does, what happens to this kind of, in a sense, this little uh, eco environment where what happens to evil and goodness um, over a period of, I don't know, what's that, 45 days or so? Um, yeah. But it was okay. It, it wasn't his best stuff, but yeah. It, it's a, a, a teardrop in the river that would be the stand. Yeah. In other words. So, so he, he's very, it seems like he's very interested in that, that good versus evil sort of archetype. And a lot of his stories, or at least the ones we're talking about, have that. I do like the stand. I'm looking oh. forward to uh, they're in early stages of a, a new movie of it coming out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I think a miniseries. No, they did a miniseries in the 80s. Um, but so anyway. Yeah, they did talk. with with Molly Ringwall, as a matter of fact. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. And I only got through a couple episodes. I couldn't uh, I couldn't listen to it or watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was, pretty, it was it's kind of dated. harder to take. Yeah. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? So Salem's Lot, guys, if you if you get a chance to read it, uh, especially around a crackling fire, 
in October. If you've got uh, young you're children on... who need a nighttime story, pick yeah. something else. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was fine. That's true. Look at and how I you turned it. it. Yeah, absolutely cool. Um, yeah, so I, I, I recommend it. Uh, I give it a, a two thumbs up and two fangs down. <laughs> Boo. Yeah, I didn't. Didn't think that one through. <laughs> uh, so that's that's our book. You got anything else with the book review? No, no. You good? Yeah. What you are you working it? on now? Uh, I just got done. Uh, obviously, just like four hours ago, got done reading this. So okay. I have I got a couple of books in the hopper, okay. and uh, one hopefully we will talk about next time. Should I should I just say what we're going to talk about next time? Yeah. Do you think you're going to get through that book? Uh, yeah, I'll be on it. It's the next one coming up. All right, so my friend Danny Mongo of NRS, formerly of Warner Paddles, and a very, very good friend of mine had years ago suggested a book called In Search of Captain Zero. And uh, next episode, we will be talking about that. So if you guys want to read up on it, I highly recommend you get after it and uh, do a little bit of reading and search. It's uh, one of the best books that I had never read, and I probably should. That's, uh, cool. that's all I will say about it. If you're a kayaker, I am certain that you're going to enjoy it. If you're a friend of a uh, friend, if you're a fan of Jack Kerouac, I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. Um, and if you like big flowery language, I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. I'm working on uh, a book by Peter F. Hamilton called Salvation, which is a science fiction book, and. It looks at uh, a world way in the future where they're able to develop some type of singularity thing that they can create these portals that you could just step from here to China by just stepping through a portal uh, Mm -hmm. or from here to any planet in the solar system. And so it just looks at how would a world work where there's transportation is no longer an issue and how does organized crime work and police. And it's kind of an interesting story. It started off really hard. But it's kind of worked out. Uh, I'm kind of lost currently, but I got to get myself back on track to figure out what's going on. Get so, it together, man. Get it together. I, I got to go to the Wikipedia to page and read the plot summary and double check where I think I am. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining us on Kayak Mainline. Episode number 20. We're in the dirty 20s now. Yeah. And we aim to keep keep going after it. Uh, you got anything to finish up this uh, this episode here, David Johnston? No, son. I'm all done. I am all done as well, ladies and gentlemen. Remember our sponsors, NRS, the finest kayaking, paddling gear in the known universe, as well as PNHC kayaks and Piranha Whitewater kayaks. They are the good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, you can give us a uh, shoot us an email. Where do you shoot us an email at? Uh, kayakmainline at gmail.com. Cool. Follow oh, us we on- have a new webpage, kayakmainline.com we itself. Yeah, go check yeah, that out. Yeah, and David put that together. It looks phenom. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So if you got questions, by all means, send us some questions. Uh, if you want to tell us how awesome we are, you can do that. If you want to tell us how terrible we are, I suggest you find someone else to listen to, mister. Because <laughs> we don't need your negativity around here. <laughs> no, we do actually like your comments, your questions, anything you want to send us. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I will be saying good evening. And my host, my co-host will also be saying thanks for listening. And we will catch you later. Thank you.